that that go? Yeah, that <laughs> that means go. Okay. <laughs> Got igloo. We were talking about idioms, and I guess because we're always using all these weird old sayings and started wondering what some of them really mean, right? Because oh, yeah, our kids, the kids are looked at us like, what the <laughs> heck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, the kids are, I mean, they're so old-fashioned, and then we don't even know what they mean. <laughs> then we can't even explain it. Yeah, some of them are hard to explain, <laughs> you know, but... Well, I think they're idioms, so, like, you looked up the definition. Yeah, well, idiom means something that's understood. It's a figurative difference from a literal meaning, such like, uh, let the cat out of the bag, which would mean, well, we know what it means. You know what it means, right? Right, but also <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, like, on a more not figurative thread, like, why is there a cat in a bag? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> what was really, that about? Really have enough? Well, I don't know. I didn't look that definition. <laughs> well, I guess we better add that to the list for later. Well, it's on my list. I just didn't do it yet. <laughs> well, some of them, I think we kind of know what they mean. It doesn't mean that we're going to let a cat out of the bag. It just means yeah, like you're telling the secret or. But it just seems like it must have started somewhere. And then it sounds a little creepy. Like, why was there a cat in the bag? Well, I used to drown the cats, you know. <laughs> I was hoping many. that wasn't what it was. <laughs> I guess some people still do that. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, but it, it's more of a, like, now it's just letting the secret out. Yeah. Know, saying, you know. Like, you're going to have a surprise party or something like right. that when you're doing I think, it. like, because we were just talking about the kids, I was thinking about it maybe from a kid's perspective. Like, what what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. So you have some favorite ones that you looked up? Yeah, I think my one of my favorite ones was, um, let me see, that piss poor. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. What'd you find out about that? Well, they used to do it for um, in tanning leather. You know, oh. they put it on the leather. It's supposed to help keep it, make it soft and supple and all that. Oh, that's like the Romans or the Greeks. I think it was the Romans because my daughter, well, Samantha, was studying that. And then they did a lot of stuff with piss, too. <laughs> <laughs> But I like think they made they made laundry soap out of it, and I didn't know they did tan leather with it too. Well, the um, gift that keeps on giving. They used to sell it too. That's why they would be piss poor. Cause they sold all their <laughs> yeah, piss? poor people sold their piss. <laughs> oh, I was in like, let me see, do I have a date on there? Um, and then, well, yeah, but then. I don't have a date on that one, but then in the 1940s, it kind of changed a little bit. Instead of being F-U, it was, they'd say piss easy, it's for awful, or piss, piss easy? elegant, yeah. Oh. Like, I think. Then there's the, I don't have a pot to piss in. That's probably part of the, the poor part of it, where people yeah. used to sell you it. You couldn't collect your own, you were even more poor. If you, you didn't, didn't have, have something to collect to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one was eat humble pie, which, you know, we say, it's, you know, somebody's humble. You know, they're, well, you know what humble means, right? Yeah. See, I can't even explain that part. <laughs> but um, the poor people, they ate humble pie. Oh. Which is the innards of a deer. They got the... You know, the, That's what they got out of the carcass, was the... Yeah, the ugh. rich people got the steaks, and they well, yeah. got the guts. <laughs> that sounds about right. And then it turned into humble pie, because yeah. you were from humble... Circumstances. circumstances. Yeah. Wow. Um, one of the things I first looked up that I thought was kind of funny was that... Let me see, where is that one? Well, it was a fact. It said the idioms are translated... 
um, from another country kind of lose their meanings because of, you know, in translation. Oh, yeah. But it was talking, it said there was an, the earliest recorded idiom was a poem by Henry Pye in 1790. But then they turn around and the next line, it says that uh, the pot calling the kettle black was in Don Quixote, which was written in 1620. So. Oh, so they don't really know. <laughs> they don't know now. I thought that was kind of funny. Whoever they are, I guess. Sounds like the way things are today. <laughs> One day they say this, and the next day they say that. Yeah, the truth is, isn't always black and white. So, did you have any that you thought of I might have written down? I don't know. Do you want me to just go through all of them? Or how yeah, let's go. Let's go through some that you have already. Uh, it started with that stink eye. Oh, yeah, stink eye. And it, they say it was stunk, skunk eye first. Skunk eye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's Letterman. Never mind. That was Letterman. He started saying skunk eye. Oh, David Letterman? David Letterman? Yeah. <laughs> See, he's changing it. Stink eye, yeah. Facial expression, unreserved disgust, contempt, disapproval, distrust, uh, general ill will. But yeah. I don't know how the actual stink eye looks like. I know. I mean, I've seen what I think is stink eye, yeah. 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 I wonder if it's tied up with the evil eye symbol, because I was looking into that, where you want to send that, that evil look back away from you. And so maybe that was the stink eye is oh. the same the look. Like a rip, like it would bounce off the stink eye and go back to the person giving you the evil eye? <laughs> well, no. The, <laughs> I would say the person, I guess maybe they're the same person. The person doing the, giving you the evil eye would be the stink eye. But they, you know, you use the evil eye to protect yourself against someone giving you the stink eye or the the nasty looks or whatever. But I don't know. I also, like, saw that stink eye can mean your anus, which I thought (laughs) was, like, a whole different... That might be where the stink came from. That might be, yeah. So I felt a little weird, like, telling Junie, like, don't give me the stink eye. (laughs) She's looking at me with that look she gives. <laughs> She'd probably like that. It'd be like a butt eye. Yeah, she's it. obsessed with anything butts for sure. Yeah. Okay, let's see. I got... Um, is it ghee? Yeah, isn't ghee that tea? like a certain type of butter that they... They just... boil out all the milk, all the water, I think, or something. That's, that's it. I don't know if they boil it, but they... I see like remember. a lot of people, like health food people talk about it, but I've never... I don't think I've ever had it. Well, the Hindu Hindus would, um, they used it in their worshiping. They threw balls of geese on the statue of the deities. That sounds <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> and their rewards would be peace and good harvest. And they used it in the Midsummer's Night Dream, though I don't really remember. I remember it. I don't remember that, that the, either. About the buttering someone up. But in that instance, it said Fairy Robin Goodfellow dropped juice of a flower hit by a Cupid into a sleeping man's eye. Flower <laughs> of this purple dye hit with Cupid's archery, sink an apple of his eye. I don't know why the apple of his eye has to do with buttering someone up. It doesn't didn't make any sense when I wrote it down. Huh. But that's what that's supposed to be about. Yeah. I kind of wonder about um, our family tradition of putting butter on your nose for your birthday. If that's related in any way to buttering someone up, it might be. Maybe it's a way to get better presents or something. <laughs> yeah, or like on the day, or good luck, or something for the year. Yeah, kind of like you would get from the deities you're throwing the ghee at. <laughs> it could be. I didn't research it that far, but I wonder I should put that in. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting. That. I don't really know anybody else that does it does it personally for birthdays. I just, but it was on the internet, so somebody else does it. Because <laughs> I looked it up. Because I'm like, are we the only family that has this tradition? We're not. But we're not. We're yeah. Not, yeah. So yeah, that I was would, a relief in a way. 
Growing up, I was the only only family that did it. Yeah, I've never met anyone else that does it. Yeah. Um, The white elephant, I thought, was interesting, too. As we do the white elephant tradition we have, every year we have a tradition where we, um, around Christmas time, we try to get rid of, actually try to get someone else to take all our junk. Yeah. (laughs) It's always fun. Yeah, but it was... um, in Siam and in Thailand, I don't know. I think it one was it was used to be Siam. Um, the kings would give white elephants to those people who that displeased them, and <laughs> so they got their the junk. <laughs> yeah, well, they had to keep them, and they were expensive to take care of, and so you couldn't use them to be worked because they were sacred, and they had to feed them. And an elephant eats a lot of food every day. So it was a white elephant. It's kind of like us giving, you know, a, I don't know what, what are we? I mean, there's not much as big as an elephant, but even a horse, like giving someone a horse as a present would be a lot of work. Yeah, it's not really a good present. Yeah, unless Seems that like person might be. really wants a horse, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm giving you this sacred elephant. It's such an honor, but <laughs> yeah. in reality, it's not. If you, don't, <laughs> if you don't take care of it well and keep it alive, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, let's see. Uh-huh. <laughs> short end of the stick. Oh. Yeah, pulling the short end. Wait, no, that's the, sh- the short straw I'm thinking of. Yeah, well, short end of the stick. Yeah, what does that mean, really? Like, how can a stick have a short end? Well, I'm not sure how it has the... Has the- <laughs> Like where, where the short it came end. From. Well, now it means you got you didn't you didn't get the best one, right? You got the yeah the, that butt. <laughs> you got the bad whatever was not so great. Then it was I don't know. Can I say bad word? <laughs> well, you did say piss earlier. Is that a bad word? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that was a bad I, word. <laughs> I assumed it was a word that, like you know, you don't want your kids to say. But well, it used to be the shit end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it came from. Well, they shortened it that to short. Honestly, <laughs> makes more sense. Sort of like, but I don't know what, like, what were they doing with the stick and sh- well, like stirring shit or like? I, I'm not sure. But they, back in the Roman public toilets, I mean, a long time ago, oh. they used sticks to clean their butts. <laughs> so, okay, how does that even work? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. I wondered about that myself. But they would put it in a bucket or something, and if you got the wrong in, you'd get the shit in instead of the cleaner part. What a nightmare. We've come a long way. I I know. Can't complain about toilet paper now. Let's see. I got um, the skeleton in the closet. Yeah, that's like a secret you're trying to keep or something. Yeah. Is that like you murdered somebody and kept a skeleton in the closet? Where did that come from? In the 17 and 1800s, the doctors hid their illegally obtained corpses in the closet. Nobody nobody would notice the smell. (laughs) Well, the... I guess it's a, it's a school or something. They probably probably smells bad already. <laughs> smell bad, yeah. I, I heard something the other day about um, doctors used to not want to wash their hands, like when they were trying to convince everyone that hand washing got rid of germs. I guess because they had, um, you know, high deaths during childbirth because they were using back bacteria laden hands or whatever because they were you know working with corpses before before oh, they yeah. they'd go from like a corpse to a person giving birth but they didn't wash their hands because it was like a badge of pride or honor or something to smell like a corpse oh, <laughs> oh. and uh, i guess that was like prestigious or something so that's just a little tidbit for your pleasure <laughs> We have come a long way. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they didn't believe in germs because they couldn't see the germs. They just... Yeah, they thought it was nonsense. Well, and then they, they would bleed everybody for every <laughs> single thing. <laughs> oh, just bleed them. 
Here they are on their deathbed. Oh, let's get rid of your blood. You know, yeah, you don't I mean, need it. <laughs> they used to like poke holes in your head to let demons out and all that. Oh, we're lucky that we survived as a species. Of course, we're still kind of flirting with a lot of that now with, you know, COVID, all the different opinions about oh, how it's spread you- and whether it's... <laughs> what, the cures? Some of those cures are pretty oh, bad. Oh, yeah, some of the cures were <laughs> kind of strange, too. That's true. Okay, let's see what else I've got. Mind your own beeswax. Mm. They okay. Would, they would if they had got the pox, so smallpox, and they'd get have all those little holes on their face, like they yeah. would fill it with a beeswax. Oh. I'm not sure how what they did. They might have put something over the top of it, but they <laughs> said that... You know, if another woman, if you you were caught, you had it on your face and you were caught looking at a woman that had it on her face, then she'd turn around to you and say, mind your own beeswax. Oh my gosh, I've never heard this. But it's so funny because I've seen ads for like putty that you can put on your face for people to cover up acne scars or whatever. Yeah. So it's the same idea. Yep, same thing. Still in use today, yeah. but don't sit too close to the fire because <laughs> it would start to melt. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah, that was a bit tough. That'd be another time. Mind your beeswax now. No, don't, don't trip all my... over the furniture. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Your face is literally melting. That's a good one. Then I have, well, I have some misunderstood idioms, but those are, I don't know. Well, are they pretty funny or? Well, people say, you know, like, um, could care, could care less. Oh, yeah, I could care less. I actually got into an argument with an old boyfriend about that, and I was on the wrong side (laughs) or the incorrect side. Well, some of them I know I've said myself, but um, some of them like uh, nip it in the bud. They'd say nip it in the butt. Yeah, I've heard that, nip it in the butt. What what does that mean, nip it in the bud? Did you look it up? Well, I assume because (laughs) I could be right, but... You just you're cutting off the bud before the flower comes. Oh so yeah, keep you the weeds down. Stop kind something of thing. before it becomes really bad. I have to blow my nose. <laughs> okay, oh, maybe I'll just take a little pause here. Or for all intents and purposes, people will say for all intensive purposes. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Getting off scot free. They yeah. say scotch. Scotch-free? Scotch oh, I don't think yeah. I've heard anyone say that. No. What does that mean, getting off scot-free? I mean, I, I wonder know. where I that one came that from. One yeah, because that's kind of, <laughs> I wonder if it has to do with, like, you know, Scots. Scots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, scotch I mean, is... they get away with is, something? Uh, <laughs> uh, is it alcohol, so... Oh, yeah, well, getting off scotch-free is a totally different... I mean... Or they'll, instead of saying... Scott. Moot point, they'll say mute point. Oh, yeah. Which could be mute. something in its own self, really. Mute, being quiet, a quiet point. A quiet point. I just anything. won't say anything at all. And that's my point. Yeah. And then another thing coming. You got another thing coming. And then I've got new idioms. Oh. Which would have developed not, you know, hundreds of years ago, but recently, like. Going postal. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows what that means. Or drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Of course, that's like Jonestown or something. Yeah. The kids might not know the drink the Kool-Aid. Going postal, they probably... They might. They might. Of course, they probably think more about school shootings and stuff. Have you ever looked at a site called UrbanDictionary.com, I think? No. They, um... They, it's like a dictionary for new slang. That's kind of fun to... Oh, I would like that because half the time I don't know what anyone's talking <laughs> I know. I mean, you don't have a little kid to tell you what it means or a teenager or something. Yeah. It's kind of fun to look and, and see. Does it do a lot of the abbreviations? I mean, like, 
sweet things oh, and like it'll say PXY and I'm like, well, what is PXY? I have no I idea. Know. Sometimes I have to Google stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I just don't use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was texting and then Sam, who's 12, was like, you're not supposed to put punctuation at the end. That's rude. And I'm like, I think it's more rude to not put punctuation. Like, I can't make sense of that, so... What do you mean it's rude? Like if you put an exclamation point? Like if you put a period at the end of your sentence, the younger people, I guess, will take it as you're mad at them. So you just don't put anything. It's sort of like it's ending the conversation. But if you just leave it blank, (laughs) and so, yeah. Well, because I was, her friend was texting me on my phone. Well, she was really texting her, but then I was answering as her. And then she was mad because I used punctuation. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't know that. It's just like when using all caps means you're mad, and I did that a lot. A lot of people must have thought I was mad. <laughs> <at them. laughs> that means you're yelling. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see, what do we got? We got... <laughs> I saw this one lady. She had texted something, and it was all in caps. I think it was on Twitter or somewhere, and then she said, And I'm not mad. I just have a stuck cap lock key. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is it like being mad or that you're yelling? I think it's more like yelling, but most people yell when they're mad, I guess. Yeah. So, could go either way, but... And I could be wrong. Maybe somebody will let us know. Some young younger person. Well, fake news, that's a big thing. I mean, everybody says yeah, that one a fake lot. fake news. Fake news. It's all fake news now, I guess. Seems like you it. You can't keep up with what's not fake news. Well, it makes that makes it hard to figure out what is. Yeah, sometimes I just want to just go read a book and fill my brain with that instead. <laughs> That's what I do do. I'm not too good, keen on the keeping up with everything. Now, these are things that are online that the kids probably know, like uh, slide into DMs. You know what that that one? Yeah, I guess that means that they. Instead of talking to you in the open part, they go into your direct message part. But then I kind of get the impression like the sliding in has something to do with like you're trying to like pick them up or like charm them or because I see it a lot with like men and women like he slid into my DM or she slid into my DM. Not so much like if somebody just has like a question about something, but I could be wrong about that, too. Hmm. This whole podcast could just be stuff we might be wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure somebody will tell us. <laughs> Things we think are true and then find out really aren't. Well, like I said, the first thing I pretty much looked up to see if it was true, and it turned out the next line wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, fake news right there. And then show me the receipts. Oh, yeah. That's like proving something happened, I guess. Yeah. Online proof, but I don't know how that is. I think it's like <coughs> you have to show a photo or a, you, a journal article, maybe? I don't know. I don't know, because even now, photos are doctored. And well, I know. And it's so. I mean, so many things are just made up on online. You don't know what's real. I see people say these things happen, and I think, that doesn't sound likely, but you never know. Sometimes the weirdest stuff is true. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm like, look at our lives. Evidence right there. There's my receipt. And that's the T. Oh, I haven't heard that one. It's, uh, I guess it's a drama how the truth can get dramatized and, and uh, you know, you, you see it and it's all over the place and then the next day you can't find anything about it anymore. Oh, it's okay. It's all done and over with. Is it like referencing the Boston Tea Party? Like what is that? I wonder where that, what it comes from. It says it, it originated in drag culture meaning truth. Huh. Meaning the truth, but it's now it's over the top, I guess. Oh, well, okay. Hmm. I'll probably see it now that I've heard of it. I'll see it everywhere. Yeah, but I don't know. 
I, I, I don't go online too often anymore. It's too much. <laughs> it's stuff too hard. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know what's going on here. It's crazy stuff. And the last one I have for that is Left on Read. Left on, oh, okay. So, yeah, I know that one because on my iPhone, there's a thing on there that can show you, show the, other, the person who wrote you something whether or not you read it. Yeah. But then I guess left on read might either be you don't let or it. Or on read. It's probably read. Left on read. Yeah. Like you didn't read it yet. Or I guess also maybe you just don't respond. I think I it's know. when you, you, it tells you, it tells the other person, oh yeah, they read it. But, but they, they never commented, and then they act like I never got it, but they did get it. But they saw it, that you read it. Message. Although, I mean, that's happened to me before, where, like, the kids open up my text message on my phone and, and see it, and then I don't see that I, you know, have an unread message, and then yeah. I don't see it. And then also, you know, when you have little kids, you read it and then forget, like, about it completely, <laughs> like, two seconds later. I've had that happen, too, and I felt so bad not not responding and it's always like when somebody says something important that you really should respond to it doesn't happen like when it doesn't matter so that's hard yeah i try to give just don't feel like it (laughs) yeah i mean that's true too i don't have well i pretty much answer everybody because i only have like two people that message me (laughs) yeah i've had that too where i see a message and i'm like i don't have the energy for anything like right now so i'm just gonna wait till later sometimes it comes up at night and then you don't want to answer till morning yeah or like read something that's just gonna get you stressed before you're trying to go to sleep yeah i've had stuff like that happen where somebody's like i need such and such and then i'm like oh no if i don't do it now i'm not gonna sleep so i'm gonna worry about not getting that thing done or whatever and i'm from the age of when you didn't have to answer the telephone and no one would know if you were home or not. <laughs> I know. Well, I experienced that a little bit. Of course, the answering machines came out pretty early in my life, I guess. And then, yeah. But, yeah, you, you'd have to wait for someone to be home before you could call, and they weren't always available. I don't know how many times people have gotten annoyed with me because I didn't answer the phone immediately or re- call them back immediately. But well, it's like that with a text message or whatever. Everybody yeah. wants, they want you to answer it right away. And Sometimes I leave my phone on the counter for a while and don't see it right away. <laughs> yeah, I sound like that all the time. So if anybody calls me and I don't answer, <laughs> don't think I'm ignoring you. Sometimes the phone's in the house and I'm outside. Or like when you lived further away, I would just think you were like dead or laying on the ground oh, hurt. Fell off the roof. <laughs> fell off the roof, Yeah. <laughs> And I'd panic, like, oh, no, what if she fell off the roof? Well, it's always a possibility, but now we those don't days have to are over. I'm not it. going on any more roofs. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No more roofs for you. No. So I think that I have more that I have to look up. But Yeah, well, we can take a break. Okay, I got two more. Okay. I have um, Give the Cold Shoulder. Okay. You know, like when you're, uh, am I close enough? I don't know. Let's move that microphone just a little closer just to be sure. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, yeah, give the cold shoulder. Give yeah. the cold shoulder? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that started in Scotland. The Scottish custom was that if someone came to your home, you fed them. That was the polite thing to do. And if they liked you, you got a nice hot meal and everything, probably wine and whatever. They oh, wow, that. yeah. But if they didn't like you, they still fed you to be polite, but you got the cold mutton. Oh, shoulder, the, the mutton, shoulder yeah. cut? Yeah. <laughs> and it was cold. And I cold. Think mutton is supposed to be really chewy, isn't it? Yeah, like, I've never really understood what mutton is. Is it like a kind of pig? No, it's sheep. It's an oh, old it's sheep. sheep. Oh, yeah. Okay, I think I did know that, and I forgot. Yeah. It's an old sheep. Yeah. So one that's been around probably, like, had babies or something. Yeah. They don't need it anymore. producing enough, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Poor mutton. Yeah. I know. Sometimes the 
Meat eating is kind of <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> But it was like a whole social thing too then, I yeah, guess. So yeah, it was a social thing. It's like a, that's how you found out someone didn't like you. <laughs> Probably, you know. Rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then I have Mad as a Hatter. Uh, oh, yeah. I always wondered about that. Like, I thought, well, maybe they breathed in some kind of fumes in the hat making process that drove yeah. them mad or something. Yeah, they did. And it was like in the 17, 1800s and it, uh, mercury, they used oh. mercury and people would start going, you know, hallucinating and having all kinds of problems. Oh, so that's where the Mad Hatter yeah, and Alice, Hatter. In yeah. Wonder- Alice in Wonderland came. Did I just say Allison in Wonderland? <laughs> I mean, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> It became a popular way to say somebody's insane. Huh. Of course, we say people are insane for a lot of minor things. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like, it's kind of, yeah. Well, now you're not really supposed to say that stuff because it's not politically correct. Or calling someone crazy. I try hard not to use that word because I say that all the time. Like, you're driving me crazy. Why are you acting crazy? Look at that crazy dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Crazy's just words evolve. I mean, what they mean, a lot of them, what they meant a long time ago, don't mean anything at all. Yeah, like it's got gotten like thinned out or used too much or something. But then, you know, if it makes people feel bad when I use when I if I said it, I don't want to do that either. So I'm trying, you know, to. If they, you know, if someone has a mental health problem and then I'm using crazy left and right to describe everything and it makes them uncomfortable, I don't want to do that either. Yeah, I can see that. But it's hard to change habits. Yeah. I'm trying. (laughs) I really am, you guys. (laughs) It is. Things have changed. So what have you got? Okay, so I have a couple here that I looked up. Oh, your page is so nice and neat. It's called copy and paste from the internet. Oh, I You're just wrote mine out. I know. I started doing that, and I thought, this is going to take way too long. Well, it makes it harder, I better too. put my glasses Did on. Did I say this one? Did I do that one? I know, but now I have so much on here, I'm like, well, I can't say all this. So the first one I have is more than you can shake a stick at. Oh, which... is that like that shit stick? <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not related, but they might be. <laughs> I didn't see anything about that being related, but there I did find some interesting stuff. So it kind of means now more than you can count or a large quantity. But I guess like it didn't always mean that because there were before they added the more than um, it wasn't necessarily something that you would count. But then also it was. So I guess it kind of just depends. The first time it was used, I guess... Um, that it was recorded was in 1818 when in the Lancaster Journal of Pennsylvania, somebody wrote, we have in Lancaster as many taverns as you can shake a stick at. But it also was recorded in Davy Crockett's Tour to the North and Down East of 1835 and kind of, with a kind of different meaning. Here's a quote. This was a temperance house, and there was nothing to treat a friend that was worth shaking a stick at. There was nothing to treat a friend that was worth shaking a stick at? Yeah, so in that... there's no alcohol in the town. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because temperance, you know... Oh, okay. Is that what that means? A yeah. temperance house. I wasn't really sure what that meant. That makes sense. So, wasn't... Yeah, because it kind of means it's not worth shaking a stick at. Yeah. So, like, I guess there was so little fun or alcohol or whatever whatever they were thinking about that it wasn't even worth shaking their stick at and then later um in 1868 um in a book of vagaries by james k paulding um it was used this way the roistering barbecue fellow swore he was equal to any man you could shake a stick at so that kind of means you know that the speaker is equal to any man of consequence. So, like, they were equals yeah. in, I don't know what, like... He was worth getting a stick shake at. Shake yeah, like, the maybe they were, <laughs> maybe they were, like, phil- having a philosophical discussion and they were equals in that, or they could fight each other equally, I don't know. <laughs> and they don't really know where it comes from, but um, 
I found this website, worldwidewords.org, where they kind of took a stab at it. And um, so they said, you know, it could be when they would count farm animals, because if you had, they would use a stick and they'd count their pigs or cows or whatever. But if you had too many that you couldn't point your stick at each one and count it, you had more than you could shake a stick at. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so... um, And then there's like another idea that somebody came up with that I guess most people don't really agree with or don't, they haven't found proof of it or anything, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And that's the idea that it comes from um, having like during a battle in which one might shake a stick at one's vanquished enemy. (laughs) So they were running away. Well, it kind of comes from um, the Native American practice of counting coup, which I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's spelled C-O-U-P. Yeah. In which merit was gained by touching a vanquished enemy in battle. In that case, too many to shake a stick at might indicate a surplus of fallen enemies. And not worth shaking a stick at would equate a person with an enemy who is so cowardly or worthless that there is no merit to be gained from counting coup on him. Oh. That makes sense, too. So, yeah. And, um... Well, that would make it an American idiom, right? Yeah, and since the first, you know, recordings of it were here, I guess it's possible that yeah. that could be true. And um, because I wasn't really familiar with the county coup, I, of course, had to go look that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, well, what, what exactly is that? Um, so I'll share a little bit of that that I learned, too. So... I guess what would happen is during a battle, they would try to touch their enemy with their stick without hurting, you know, not like hurting them, but just like, haha, I got you first kind of thing. Um, so it included touching an enemy warrior with a hand, bow, or coup stick and escaping unharmed and without harming the enemy except for the enemy's wounded pride. So it kind of sounds like a game of tag, but also like, see, I can get to you. You know, like a ominous (laughs) sign for what's to come. Did you look up a coup coup stick? No, I didn't. I should do that. This says, touching the first enemy to die in battle or touching the enemy's defensive works was considered counting coup as has in some nations, simply riding up to an enemy, touching him with a short stick, and riding away unscathed. Counting coup has at times also involved stealing an enemy's weapons or horses tied up to his lodge in camp. So I guess it's sort of like, you know, teasing yeah. <laughs> before you kill them in battle. Um, kind of like a cat does, huh? Yeah, let's play with our enemy a little before we <laughs> put a, we get into this battle. Risk of injury or death is traditionally blah, traditionally required to count coup. Escaping unharmed while counting coup is traditionally considered a higher honor than being wounded in the attempt. So, and then after the battle, the people of a band gathered together to recount their acts of bravery, and then they counted their coups by putting a notch on their coup stick. And some some tribes, you know, had feathers, like you got a feather for each one that you would put on your stick or different things, depending on their traditions. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, you see pictures and they're holding a long stick sometimes. Yeah. And I've seen, like, well, with the farm part, too, I've seen that where they have a stick and they're, yeah. and they're counting their sheep or whatever. Well, yeah. yeah, whatever <laughs> animals they have. Probably not rabbits, but, you know. It's kind of hard to count them. They're all moving around. No, I was thinking that, like, well, if I had three, I could count them with a stick. But any more than that, I'd be like, wait, did I already count you? (laughs) Um, Okay, so the next one I have is doesn't cut mustard or cuts mustard, which, you know, are kind of the same thing. Well, not the same thing, but, you know, the opposite of each other. So doesn't cut mustard, is unable to work or operate in a satisfactory manner, is not an acceptable level or of an acceptable standard. Didn't do a great job. Didn't cut mustard. (laughs) Yeah, but what does it really have to do with mustard? Yeah, I I found that out too because it 
you know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so doesn't cut the ketchup could be the same. I mean, you know, <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. So uh, when mustard was one of the main crops in East Anglia, it was cut by hand with scythes, which I also learned how to pronounce correctly because I've always yes, pronounced scythes. it scythes, and uh, then I used Google and. And I was like, oh, I've always pronounced this wrong. It's one of those I've probably read and not heard that often. But anyway, it was cut by hand with scythes in the same way as corn. The crop would grow up to six feet high, and this was very arduous work, requiring extremely sharp tools. When blunt, they would not cut the mustard. Ah, so they didn't work up to the standard they needed to be worked on. Yeah, so they couldn't yeah. they couldn't cut it because it wasn't working. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I just think the whole concept of mustard is interesting, too, because, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't know anything. It just, well, it just in comes a, in a jar or a yeah. bottle, and then they came out with, <laughs> you know, I mean, some brown mustard and all these other kinds. But Well, it's weird, too, that mustard comes from, like, a plant that, you know, I don't know. It's like because it's liquidy. Like ketchup comes from a tomato, so you kind of make sense. But I'm like, how do they make the mustard? They must have to grind it all up. Yeah, because and... you've seen mustard seeds, right? The oh yeah, round seeds. You know, you use them, in and that's what they things. use to make the mustard. And they used to put those on your chest when you had a bad cold. They put oh wow, mustard. yeah. Imagine it would burn your hot Gosh. mustard plasters. They yeah, that's up. right. I read about that. Probably burn your skin. Oh gosh, that sounds that, awful. Make yeah, your eyes burn. Worse Clears out Vicks. your sinuses. <laughs> yeah, way worse than Vicks. Oh wow. Well, that one's interesting. Yeah, at least it kind of makes sense. Like it has a, you know, a good reason. Meaning. Yeah, one that makes that we can understand. Okay, so the other one I have is shut your pie hole. And, of course, that means be quiet in kind of a rude way or shut up. Do you hear about that one? We'll be oh, doing yeah. That. I can hear her saying it now with, like, her Boston accent that she gets sometimes. Shut your pie hole. Uh, Listen to myself on here. I think that's where she gets it. Oh, she gets, that's where she gets it. Like, um, I don't even I don't have a Boston accent. Jim, Jim is like... I was like, maybe she needs speech therapy because she keeps dropping her R's. And he's like, oh, she gets that from your mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you only really do it when you're tired that I notice. But it must be more often because she's kind of picking it up. Yeah. She spends a lot of time with you. So it means be quiet. And the first first that started, um, it started with shut your cake hole. And that appeared around the mid-1900s. And some speculated it originated in the British Air Force, since an earlier reference of it was printed in Hunt and Pringle's 1943 reference book, Service Slang. Important book to have. (laughs) (laughs) And K-Call was the airman's name for his or anyone else's mouth. And the American phrase, shut your pie hole, originated in the 1980s, and it most likely comes from the fact that shut your mouth means be quiet, and a mouth is a hole with which you can eat pie or cake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I probably figure that's a favorite thing to eat, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Okay. And let's see. The next one I have is Double Dog Dare, which when I was Ah. looking it up... um, they, there was a lot of talk about that Christmas movie, the one with the leg and the lamp. A yeah. Christmas story. Because he double dog dares him to stick his wet tongue on the ice cold pole. I think Remember that's that? probably the first time I heard that, the double dog part of it. Yeah. It <laughs> really leaves an impression. <laughs> that whole movie leaves an impression. Yes. So basically, it means a dare of ec- epic proportions, and then um, they add the double to it. You know, well, dog dare is like the first level, and then double dog dare is the second level. So it's like an down, escalation right? <laughs> of peer pressure um, on the schoolyard. So that just heightens the situation. So you're pressured to say, "You'll do it." Um, nobody really knows where the dog part came from, um, but they do know that kids have been double dog daring each other at least since the late 19th century. 
Um, there's a couple of references to Double Dog Dare from the 1890s. One of them comes from the 1896 book, The Child and Childhood in Folk Thought, in which Alexander Francis Chamberlain reports a certain scale of challenging used by children in Kentucky. So it starts with, I dare you. I dog dare you. <laughs> I double dog dare you. Um, I black dog dare you. And I double black dog dare you. Huh. Um, they also pointed out that dog does have a few definitions that aren't completely out of step with the connotation of the phrase. It can mean to keep at something or pursue something persistently. So yeah. kind of makes sense. Although I don't know why. I guess maybe dogs like, well, I've seen my dogs like go after something in a hole, like a mouse or something that goes down a hole and then they're just like obsessed with the hole. They don't give up. Or when they want a treat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they want to go outside, or they want to walk, <laughs> or they want anything. They want to sit in your spot on the couch. <laughs> yeah, they're very <laughs> So the next two that I have, I looked up, and then I saw that it was considered more of a proverb than an idiom, so I looked up the difference, and it says an idiom is a fixed phrase with a figurative meaning. And a proverb is a short, famous saying containing advice. So, so what, hmm. did you, what months did you? So, look up with I have every dog has its day, keeping with this dog theme. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this one is supposed to emphasize that all people will be successful at something at some time in their lives, but it can also refer to revenge. So it can mean like. You know, everybody's going to get their 15 minutes of fame kind of thing. And uh, so karma's a bitch, I guess. What yeah. <laughs> goes around comes around. Yeah, you'll yeah. get yours at some point. Um, so other things said, like, even the most unfortunate will get a bit of luck at some point, And even the most oppressed will have their chance to get revenge someday. It's several thousand years old. Um, but it hasn't always appeared in the exact phrasing. Um, the metaphor was traced to a Macedonian proverb about the death of Euripides. Am I saying that right? Euripides. 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 Yeah. yeah. In 406 BC, while on a visit to the king of Macedonia, the Greek playwright was attacked and killed by dogs that a rival had set upon him. That's where it may have started. Yeah. And the first recorded English use of this phrase was in a letter from Queen Elizabeth in the early 1500s. Um, she said, Notwithstanding, as a dog had the day, so may I perchance have time to declare it in deeds. Um, it was also used by William Shakespeare in Hamlet in a tense scene between um, Laertes and Hamlet. Hamlet says, let Hercules himself do what he may. The cat will mew and dog will have his day. <laughs> so in this one, he's using it as a context to get revenge. Oh, there is an old variation, um, or one variation, I don't know if it's that old, um, that says, every dog has his day, but every cat has his four o'clock. Meaning not everyone... <laughs> Not everyone is due their success at the same time or frequency as others. Patience is required. The more cynical modern-day alternative tells you you'll get your 15 minutes of fame and nothing more. So. I don't want to have any more of that 15 minutes. <laughs> You've had enough. Yeah, that's true. Some of us are more happy to just quietly live our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and I think this is my last... Yeah, this is my last one. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, that one never really... I mean, I can understand... I understand it, but it how it got to be that way. I mean, who would throw their baby out with the wash water? <laughs> right, like you would see the baby. Um, so basically it means, for anyone who doesn't know, it's an, an avoidable error in which something good is eliminated when trying to get rid of something bad. Or in other words, rejecting the favorable along with the unfavorable. So a lot of people think it stems from um, back, I guess, in the colonial times when people would have to take a bath and then 
they would just share the water. So, like, yeah. the dad would go first, and the mom, and then, like, five kids, and then the baby would be last, and the water would be so filthy, they would throw the baby out with the bath water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I found that that's not really true, because it there's stuff before that. It's from, it started in Germany, um, and it was put, the first time they saw it in German, Germany, like written down somewhere, I guess, was in a satire um, by Thomas Murner with the title, it's German, but I'm not going to read that part because I don't think I can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> it means appeal to fools. Um, and then again in a in a book of Proverbs in which, in which the saying was illustrated um, with an example of sending an old horse to the knacker's yard, but omitting to take its valuable saddle and bridle off first. Oh, yeah, that would be kind of dumb, huh? Yeah. Or regretful. <laughs> and then also, I thought this was kind of a funny side note. Um, there's a more recent U.S. version of the saying, which is, don't throw the baby out with the dishes. <laughs> which has been attributed to um, both pre presidents Lyndon Johnson and Ronald Reagan. And it appears online often enough to demonstrate that, though nonsensical, some people think it acceptable or even the correct version. So that's kind of funny because it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> Don't throw the baby out with the dishes. It was probably one of those, like, remember when George Bush was trying to say that oh. thing? And then they probably... <laughs> it's like, we have to oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember. It was like, shame on me. Um, oh, fool me yeah. once, shame on me. No, fool me. Fool me <laughs> I can't once, even. I'm poor George you. Bush. Fool I me can't twice, do it. Shame on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the way I think it goes. <laughs> right. So I'm just assuming that it was one of those kind of things that happened. And they were, instead of saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, they said, don't throw the baby out with the dishes. And it kind of stuck. Yeah. I can so, see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could see doing it just because it's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's all I've got. I was thinking when you were talking about that, don't throw the baby out with the wash and stuff. Another one that kind of means the same thing that I say a lot is cut your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. <laughs> that's very similar. I don't. I don't use the baby one, but I do say that one. Don't cut your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is kind of the same. Kind of the same thing. Same, yeah. Kind of. Well, you're cutting off your nose, but you need nose <laughs> on your face. Well, you're still not going to look so good without your nose. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I use it a lot. It's things, a lot of people do things, or there's a lot of rules and things like that that don't make any sense. Yeah, or you just, sometimes if you get really frustrated, you might say stuff that, you know, ruins your relationship with somebody, and then you, you know, oh, yeah, you that happens cut too. your nose off to spite <laughs> your face, like, maybe you regret it after. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it for idioms for now. All right. I think we got quite a few there. All right. All right. Now we just have to turn this off. Yeah. Got it,